This sicha, in addition to being a sicha on Parshas Achrei, is also a siyum on Mesechta Yuma. So the Rebbe starts off the sicha by saying that in this week's Parsha, by the avoid of the Koyen Godel on Yom Kippur, the Pasuk says, He will atone for himself and for his house, for his household. The Chazal tell us, Beisoy, his house refers to his wife. From this we actually learn a halacha, that the Koyen Godel on Yom Kippur must be married. This chiyuv, this obligation that the Kohen Gadol must be married, is a special din that's said only in regards to Yom Kippur, not in regards to the rest of the year. That is, that all other days of the year, a Kohen Gadol could participate in the Avoidah. In fact, any one of the different groups of Kohenim that are serving in the Beis HaMikdash on different weeks, regardless, whatever week it is, the Kohen Gadol could always participate and have first part, first portion in the Avoidah, and there is no conditions that he needs to be married other than Yom Kippur. And Yom Kippur, in order for his avoida to be the way it's supposed to be, he must be married. Now seemingly we need to understand this. This needs some sort of clarification. The avoida of Yom Kippur clearly is on the highest and greatest level. This is here on Yom Kippur we're having a situation where the greatest levels of Kedusha are coming together. Both in space, in time, in levels of Neshamas Yisroel. As the famous expression, Oilam Shona and Nefesh. Oilam referring to space, Shona to time, Nefesh to life, to the person. That is, that the Avoid is being done in space, that is in the Kodesh HaKadoshim, the holiest place in the world. It's on the holiest day in the world. The way everyone refers to it is Yom HaKadosh, the holiest day of the year. It's being done through the Koyen Godel, the greatest of the Koyenim, regarding whom the Pasuk says, that Vayavdel, that Aaron was separated, kadashim, to be holy in the greatest level of holiness. He's greater than all the Koyanim, also in Kedusha, as the Pasuk says, the Koyan that's greatest from amongst his brothers. And the Pasuk further goes on and says, because I am Hashem who sanctifies him, who makes him holy. So the question then is, how do we understand this? That specifically by the Avoida, on Yom Kippur, this is what's needed, that the Kayin Gadol must be married. The question is even bigger. One of the preparations for the Avoida of Yom Kippur, as related in the very same mission, is that seven days before Yom Kippur, the Kayin Gadol would actually be separated from his house, from his wife. And at the same time, we're saying that to have a wife, Beisoy, his house, which is his wife, is an absolute necessity for the Kayan Gadol on Yom Kippur. How do we understand this idea that the Kayan Gadol must have a wife when we're even saying that the Kayan Gadol should be separated and not at home for the last seven days? This itself tells us that the fact that the Kayan Gadol on Yom Kippur must be a married man, there's something special over here that's going to add to the shleimus, to the perfection, to the wholesomeness of the Kayan Gadol. And therefore it's needed that the Kayan Gadol has to have this on Yom Kippur. Now, to explain this halacha that the Kayan Gadol on Yom Kippur needs to be married, this itself really can be understood in two different ways. One way of understanding it is that it's a halacha or a din as part of the avoid of Yom Kippur. That is, that because of the greatness, the importance of this avoid, it needs to be done not only through a regular Kayan, but it needs to be a Kayan Gadol. And even a Kayan Gadol, it can't just be a Kayan Gadol, but he also has to have the advantage, this Milo, this quality of having a wife as well. So that's one way of understanding that it's part of what's necessary for the Avoida of Yom Kippur. 
Another way of understanding it is that it's actually a halacha, a din in the Kayin Godel. That is, that in the day of Yom Kippur, the Kayin Godel has to be standing on his top, highest level, quality, perfection. Similar to what we find generally many, many different levels in a Kayin Godel, even throughout the rest of the year. We have a Kayin Godel that was anointed with the Shem and Amishcha. We have a Kayin Godel that although he wasn't anointed, but at least he's wearing the eight garments and other similar sorts of differences within a Kayin Godel. So, so too we would say that Yom Kippur, the Kayin Godel stands on his greatest level and that is expressed that he also needs to have the, the idea that he needs to have a wife, he needs to be a married man. What would be the difference between these two ways of understanding it? Whether it's part of the Avoidah of Yom Kippur or it's part of the perfection of the Kayin Godel. So we know that on Yom Kippur there are also other avoidos that are not unique to Yom Kippur itself. These are avoidos that are done every single day. For example, the bringing of the carbon tomid, the carbon that's brought twice every single day, the bringing of the ktoires, the fixing and lighting of the menorah. Now on Yom Kippur the Kohen Godel is the one that does these avoidos. Now even though it's true that the Kedusha of Yom Kippur also impacts these other avoidos, even the avoiders that are not uniquely Yom Kippur's avoiders, as the Gemara uses the expression, Ahanoi, that means, if the Kedusha of Yom Kippur was beneficial and helped for the Yom Kippur avoiders, certainly it adds something to the other avoiders as well. Nevertheless, these other avoiders clearly are not the same as the special avoiders that are for Yom Kippur. And therefore, says the Rebbe, we could say the following. If we should understand that the fact that the Kayan Godel needs to be a married man is part of the obligation because of the avoid of Yom Kippur, then we might be able to say that regarding the other avoidos that are not uniquely Yom Kippur avoidos, in regards to that, the Kayan Godel does not have the obligation that necessarily has to be married. However, if we understand it in the second way how we explained it, that it's part of the perfection that a Kayin Godel has to have on Yom Kippur. So then what would follow is that the obligation of being married applies even in regards to the other avoidos, because it's not connected specifically to the avoido as such, but rather that the Kayin Godel on Yom Kippur has to be on this level. And this would be true for all of the avoidos then on Yom Kippur, because he's the one that's serving and doing all the avoidos. What would the Rambam hold? Says the Rebbe, the Rambam would obviously be going with the second way. Because the Rambam says that all of the avoidance of this day, even the other avoidance, like bringing the ktoires and fixing the candles, everything has to be done by a Kayin Godel that is married. Which means to say that even the other avoidance have to be done through a married Kayin Godel, meaning in conclusion that it's not part of the Shlemus of the avoidah, it's not a din in the avoidah, but rather a din in the Kayin Godel. In order to explain this, says the Rebbe, we're first going to preface having a look at the Mishnah, where the Mishnah explained what we said before, that when the Pasuk says, that the Kayin Godel on Yom Kippur atones for himself and his house, his house refers to his wife. Now the question is seemingly, since Beisoy over here means Ishtoy's wife, why does the Torah not say it clearly? It could say clearly his wife. Says the Rebbe. Usually we know that Torah Shabal Peh will elaborate and explain things much more than the way it says in Torah Shabiksa very briefly. As the expression, like a midah doloy remiziboy raisa, 
that everything that will later come out in Torah Shabbat has some sort of hint. It was alluded to briefly in Torah Shabbat So we would understand that if there's less words that we could say it in Torah Shabbat then Torah Shabbat would come and tell us more words for the same idea. However, in our case, the way Torah Shabbat translates what Torah Shabbat said is no more than the same one word. The Torah Shabbat gave us one word, Beisoy. Torah Shabbat gave us one word, Ishtoy. So Torah Shabbat could have also wrote, written, Ishtoy. It's just one word. So the Rebbe says we must say that with Torah saying the word Beisoy, the Torah is trying to explain to us the concept of what Ishtoy is all about. In other words, Torah is telling us Beisoy. Torah is not only telling us the halacha, that a Koyen Gadol needs to be married but is also trying to explain to us that it's only when he has Beisoy, when Ishtoy is Beisoy, the special quality of Ishtoy as it's Beisoy, that's what's making the Kohen Gadol who he is. How do we understand this? What's this idea of Beisoy, his house, Zu Ishtoy referring to his wife? In order to understand this, the Rebbe brings the Gemara in Masech to Shabbos. Omar Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yossi said, Miyomai in my life ever, I never called my wife, Ishti, my wife. I never called my ox, Shoiri, my ox. Rather, to Ishti, my wife, I called Basi, my house. And to my ox, I called Sodi, my field. Rashi explains, on these words, Ishti, he called Basi. On his wife, he called his house. Rashi says, Shehi, Iker, Shalbayis, because the wife is the mainstay. Of the house. Sodi. Why did he call the shoyer his ox? He called it my field. Because that is the main thing of the soda of the field. As the Pasuk says, That all the many amount of grain that is gained in the field is all with the power of the ox. The ox is the one that makes the field happen. So the Rebbe asks, seemingly it's difficult to understand. This saying of Rabbi Yossi is coming in that Gemara as one continuation and therefore obviously the same content with other sayings of Rabbi Yossi of various different anhogas, toivos, different good conducts and things that he was extra careful with, extra mahadirin. What is so special about this conduct, about this anhoga to call his wife Basi and his ox Sodi? Says the Rebbe, the explanation is, with this Conduct, Rabbi Yossi is expressing his special way in Avoida. How he sees all of creation. That is, not only does he recognize and notice and realize that Yesh Balabayis Labirazu, that the Abishter is the boss of this mansion, of this palace, that the Abishter is the, is the creator of the world. Not only does he see in every single thing that the Abishta created in the world, that that it's always there for the honor and glory of Hashem, but in every single detail of the world, he only sees its goal. He only sees the purpose. He never sees something just as an entity for itself. To the extent that he would call things the way he called them, he would need to call them how he views them, how he sees them. That's the name he gives to something. Therefore, he cannot call his wife Ishti my wife. Because what he sees in his wife is only Basi, is only the family that, that he has his wife for. In other words, since the concept of marriage is an introduction to the main idea of what's going to come out of it, 
He's going to be able to fulfill the mitzvah of Piriyavirivya, setting up a family, be Yisrael, which comes as a result of the marriage. So all he sees in Ishti is only the idea of Basi, and that's the way he refers to her. The Rebbe says this is similar to something that we find in Rishonim, an explanation of the question, why is there no bracha for Kiddushin? Asher Kiddushanu b'mitzvayu why don't we have that same thing as we say in the before other mitzvahs? Says the Rebbe, because the idea of marriage is only an introduction to the main point of marriage, which is going to come afterwards, which is having children. Says the Rebbe, this is where Rabbi Yossi was different to his other colleagues. By other Tanoims, there were times, there were days, there were situations when they were able to refer to their wives as Ishti, my wife. That means they were able to see the wife just for who she is and what she is without necessarily going to what the purpose and the goal is of Basie of the family. Now the truth of the matter is, of course, this is also a derech in Torah. It also has importance al Torah. As we find the din in the Torah that a person gets married, the Pasuk says, Naki yi the first year he needs to not get involved in other things so that he can be causing joy, bringing joy to his wife during that first year. That is, even before there's there's any children. So do we have a mitzvah by Yom Tovim? It says, once again, he has to bring joy to his wife. And in fact, this even frees the husband from other certain other obligations. We know there's the concept ish isha when a husband and wife are the way they're supposed to be. Shechina b'nei, the shechina is amongst them. And generally, there's many things I'll be taught in the marriage of ish isha just in it for itself, even without having children. So that's definitely a derech I'll be taught, and this was true by other Tanoim and Amirayim. They were able to refer to Ishti as Ishti. However, Rabbi Yossi has a totally different way. By him, the whole mitzvah, the whole idea of married life, was only in order to be able to fulfill the mitzvah of pruravu, to be able to fulfill the intention of Hashem of loytoyu bro. Hashem didn't create the world that it should just be a wasteland, l'shevis yitzara to inhabit it, and therefore in ishtoy he only sees the purpose, the goal, the end result, the idea of basing my house, my family that's going to come out of it. The Rebbe gives an example over here to the concept that it says, the Gemara tells us, who is considered a wise person? Someone who sees noilad literally means the consequences, the results of our actions. So the simple meaning of this is, the Chacham understands in each and everything what is going to come out of it. However, the Rebbe says, it doesn't say over here, he knows the results. Or maybe even he understands the results. He sees it. That means it's much more than just understanding and knowing it. The Chacham, the wise man, sees the results just like most people see things that are present that we have right now. We know there's a concept of You can never compare something that you heard about to something that you actually see. Even if what you're hearing is also absolutely true and it has a very strong impact on the person. Nevertheless, seeing is something completely different. We find by Yisroi, it says, Mashmua Shama Uva. What caused, what did he hear that caused him to come to the Bnei Yisroel? Okay, so hearing already also had a big impact. Nevertheless, in order for him to really be able to absorb and to appreciate everything that was going on, he had to come and see it with his eyes. Because, 
You can never compare hearing to seeing. Says Rebbe, here is where a Chacham comes into the picture. The advantage of a Chacham is that in his Seichel, the way he perceives things, is so strong, is so powerful. It's like Royas, I know that he could see the outcome, not only know it and understand it, but it's as if he sees it. So this is what Rabbi Yossi was all about. He sees the future, he sees the whole purpose and goal, that right now that's the only thing he sees. Says the Rebbe, this is, now we can also understand why this statement of Rabbi Yossi, Miyom, my Lord, that I never called my wife, Ishti, rather I called her Basi, is coming right after another saying that he said. He says, Chamesh is Ba'alti, he had five times marital relations with his wife, Venotati, and I planted five cedars amongst the Eden, referring to the great um, tzaddikim that came out of Rabbi Yossi. In other words, because this statement is actually explaining what he says right afterwards. In other words, how does he see his wife? There's nothing else other than setting up a Jewish family, these five cedars. And therefore, from the outset, as he says, my whole life, the only way I refer to her is seeing the tachla, seeing the purpose, basically this is my family. Furthermore, says the Rebbe, not only did Rabbi Yossi see this in the Minhamadaber in regards to human beings, and especially a Yiddish daughter, his wife, that he only sees the purpose and the goal, but he even sees this when it comes to the Minhachai, to the animal kingdom, to his ox which will also include also, of course, as we said, the grain, the field, his portion in the world generally. That is, that even in his shoyer, even in his ox, he only sees the purpose, the goal for what it's all about. It's there for the field. The idea of, as we said before, he's going to use his, his, his ox. He's going to be able to plow. He's going to be able to sow, eventually be able to harvest in the field. Here too, right from the outset, he only sees the outcome. That means even before there is the plowing and the sowing, miyomai, from when he's, from when he's around, he could never call shoyri my ox just something for itself that it's my ox. He only always sees the end result. What's the purpose of it? To be producing in the field and so on and so forth. Now getting back to the Koyan Godel. From all of this, we can understand the tremendous mile of the Koyan Godel that he needed to have on Yom Kippur to be a married man. And it's specifically in the way, as the Torah tells us, he hints it with the word Beisoy. That he sees in his wife that it's Beisoy, that it's, it's his family. That means, as we said before, there's one thing, having a wife practically. But then there's something else completely, having the wife in a way of Beisoy. And this is adding a special Milo, as we said before, that's adding to the Koyen Godel himself. When he has his wife, that itself Causing in him a greater mile. Chazal tell us. Someone that doesn't have a bias is not considered a person. In other words, by having the bias, by having his wife, that itself is getting him to a greater level. And this is why the Torah specifically tells us the word to emphasize the idea that the Koyin God has to be standing on this level of that he recognizes that the point of Ishti is Basi. In other words, the whole point is the family, the goal, the end goal, and so on. As Torah Shabal Peh explains it more in regards to Rabbi Yossi, that this is the way his whole lifestyle was. Says the Rebbe, since this din that the Koyen Godel needs to be married on Yom Kippur, is not only an obligation, but this itself 
is carrying within itself. This is bringing out the shleimus of the Mailim Koyin Godel, as we said, This is why, as we said before, it's not a din in the Avoida of Yom Kippur. It's not that the Avoida is more perfect and needs to be more perfect, but rather this is the din and the gather of the Koyin Godel. What kind of high level the Koyin Godel needs to be standing on on this special day of Yom Kippur. The Rebbe goes on and says, as it's known, there's a connection always between the beginning of a Masechta and the end of the Masechta. And therefore it's customary when making a Hadron to find a common theme, a common denominator between the end of the Masechta and the beginning of the Masechta. So, so too in our case, this idea of Beisoy Zu Ishtoy, which is said in the first Mishnah of Masechta Yuma, has a connection with the very end, the last Mishnah in the Masechta, where Rabbi Akiva says, Omer Rabbi Akiva, Ashreichem Yisrael, how fortunate you are, Yisrael, lifnei miyatem etarim, in front of who you are purifying yourself, and mimetayr eschem, who is purifying you. Avichem shavashomayim, your father in heaven. As the Pesach says, shanemar, vizarakti aleichemayim toirim, I will sprinkle you with pure waters, utahartem, and you will become pure. Vaoimer, and another Pesach says, mikve Yisrael Hashem, Hashem is the mikveh of the Yidden, is the way Rabbi Akiva is translating it. That just like a mikveh purifies the Tmeim, so to Hashem purifies the Yisrael. What's the connection to what we were speaking about? That about So the Rebbe says, in order to understand this, we're first going to discuss a number of questions and the wording in, Rabbi, in what Rabbi Akiva says. Number one, first of all, what's Rabbi Akiva even telling us? What's the Chiddush what Rabbi Akiva is saying? It's quite self-evident and obvious that only Hashem is the one that purifies even from their sins. As is specified in so many psukim in Chumash and Nach, especially that just before Rabbi Akiva's statement in the Mishnah, it says, Dora Shabalazah ben Azariah. Rabbi Loza ben Azariah taught. The Pasuk says, Mikol Hashem from all of your sins. In front of Hashem you should be purified. Rabbi Loza ben Azariah teaches us that this means that Averis that are between man and Hashem, Yom Kippur will atone for. Mikol from all of your sins you'll be purified by Hashem. Whereas Avera is between man and his fellow, Yom Kippur will not atone for unless he first appeases his friend, he first needs to ask forgiveness. Now from the fact that we're saying that the Torah and the Kapara of Yom Kippur is Lufnei Hashem, we understand. Clearly the Mishnah is telling us from this passage that the Kapara is coming from Hashem. So what is Rabbi Akiva even adding that we don't know from the words of Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah? Furthermore, the Rebbe says, the question is even bigger. Why does Rabbi Akiva need these proofs that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is purifying the Eden? From a Pasuk that says in Nevi'im. From a Pasuk in Yecheskel. And that's not even enough. But he brings another proof, another Pasuk in Yirmiyah, when we have this Pasuk clearly in Chumash, which was brought, as we just said, in the Mishnah, from the words of Rabbi Allah, Hashem is going to forgive you. We said, Hashem is going to purify you. You'll be purified before Hashem. It's clear in the Pasuk. Furthermore, the Rebbe says, it's specifically in this Pasuk that we have both these ideas that we have in the words of Rabbi Akiva. What did Rabbi Akiva say? In front of you, who are you being purified? Here we have it in that Pasuk. You're being purified before Hashem. What does Rabbi Akiva say? Who is purifying you? Look again in that Pasuk. Hashem is purifying you. Now, we might try to suggest the following, and the Rebbe says we can't say this. We might say like this. Rabbi Akiva is actually arguing Rabbi Lozab and Azariah. That is, what he is saying is 
perhaps, that Hashem is purifying and forgiving even for Averis between man and his fellow, even when you didn't appease and ask forgiveness from your fellow. And this is why he doesn't bring the Pasuk that Rabbi Lozab and Azariah brings, Lufnei Hashem Titaru. Why can't we say that? Maybe Rabbi Akiva is just coming to say, yes, there's a blanket forgiveness, atonement from the Pesukim that I am bringing. Maybe he's arguing on what we said before. Says the Rebbe, because we have the following rule. When there's an argument, it would have usually said in the way, Rabbi Akiva, Oimer, so Rabbi Lozab and Azariah said one thing, Rabbi Akiva is arguing. But it doesn't say it that way. It says, Omar Rabbi Akiva, which tells us Rabbi Akiva is not arguing, he's coming to add something. So the question is, what exactly is he adding? We also cannot say, there may be Rabbi Akiva is arguing in a different way, slightly. That Rabbi Akiva is coming to add or to emphasize that after a person had appeased this fellow, nevertheless, he still needs to be purified by Hashem, even in Averoi. So the Rebbe says we can't say that that's Rabbi Akiva's Chiddush here either, because it's clear in many places. That even in mitzvahs, even mitzvahs between man and his fellow, are of course primarily between him and Hashem as well. When I do something against somebody else, it's not only against the other person, it's against Hashem. Because all of these things I'm also doing because the Eibishter told me to do them. That's what Hashem told me to do. And therefore it will also be understood that even if after I asked forgiveness from my friend, that only took care of the parcher, but if I want to be completely pure, innocent, forgiven by Hashem, because it was a command by Hashem. So everyone would agree, even Rabbi Lozab and Azariah would agree that I also need Hashem's purification, like a mitzvah Shem and Adam Lamakim. So therefore, once again, what's Rabbi Akiva adding? Rabbi Lozab and Azariah would have also agreed that I need Hashem's tara. Says the Rebbe, in fact, let's look at the words of Rabbi Lozab and Azariah that he says this. He says like this, The Avera is between man and his fellow. Yom Kippur will not atone for Ad, Sheyeratza until he asks his friend forgiveness, he appeases his friend. But that means that even then I still need the kapara of Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is not going to atone until I appease my friend, but I still need the atonement of Yom Kippur, which is of course by Hashem. So the question therefore once again is, what's Rabbi Akiva adding? Finally, one more question. Why does Rabbi Akiva need two proofs? He brings one pasuk and then he emphasizes and he says, And there is another pasuk. Which that expression usually shows that the first proof wasn't enough, and I need another proof. The Gemara will often say this. My Voimer, what's the Voimer adding? So again, we need to understand why does Rabbi Akiva need both of these proofs? So the Rebbe explains. Just like we said earlier in regards to the beginning of the Mesechta, that when we said that Beisoizu Ishtoy in regarding to Kayan Godel, it wasn't a condition part of the Avoida of Yom Kippur for it to be more perfect. Rather, we were saying that this is a Milo Shlemus in the Kayin Godel. This is bringing the Kayin Godel to a higher level. And this is why even the other avoiders that are not unique to Yom Kippur, just other avoiders of the day, as the Rambam says, also need to be done by a married Kayin Godel. Says the Rebbe, the same thing now is in the end of the Mesechta. When we're speaking about the Kapora and the Tara that's accomplished on Yom Kippur, the Rebbe says like this, from Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah, we would have all known, only known that Yom Kippur is bringing the Kapara. That means it's coming because of the special union of the holy day of Yom Kippur. Rabbi Akiva is coming to add that the fact that Yom Kippur brings the Kapara, it's not only because of the day of Yom Kippur, but it's because then is revealed the Milo of the Yid. Ashrechem Yisroel, he says, fortunate are you Yidin. Again, 
Just like we said by the Koyin Godel, that it's not so much about the Avoid of Yom Kippur, but it's more about the Koyin Godel. Here too, in regards to the Yidin and their Kapora, Rabbi Akiva is coming and saying it's not so much about Yom Kippur, but mainly what's being revealed is the essence of the Yid himself. The Kapora of Yom Kippur is coming because of the bond that the Yid has with Avichem Shema Shemaim, as he says. For this Chiddush, Rabbi Akiva brings the Pasuk, Zerakti Aleichem Ayim, I'll sprinkle you with pure water. From which it's obvious that the Abishta is purifying the Yidin, it's not necessarily on Yom Kippur. This is a Pasuk that's just generally speaking about the time of the Gula, it's not Yom Kippur. Furthermore, from the Pasuk Zerakti, it's understood that the real purification by the Gula, Asida, is coming because of the Mila of the Yid on its own. In other words, as as Chazal tell us, that the Ebishter says, even even if they're sinning, they're my children. In other words, it's not even coming because of the avoid or because of the tshuva of the Yidin. Rather, as the Posseg itself says over there, etc. In other words, it's not because of your great avoidos. It's just because of that special bond that a Yid has with the Ebishter. In other words, the Tara is not coming because of the Kedusha of Yom Kippur, the day. Or the Kedusha of the place, the Avoid in the Kedusha Kedoshim. Or even because Yidna are on a high and holy level of Kedusha. Rather, because of the essential quality and greatness of a Yid in any time and in any place. That's the Pasuk of Zorakti which speaks about the Gula. But therefore the Rabbi Akiva is applying it. That therefore we have to say that even on Yom Kippur when the Yidna are being purified, it's not only happening because of the day of Yom Kippur, but it's primarily happening because of how great Yidin are. Nevertheless, that Pasuk itself wouldn't have been enough. It wouldn't have been an absolute proof that we're speaking really only about the Etzimayla of Yid. Why? Because after all, we are speaking about the time of the Gula, which is a time of a special Eisrat, and a special auspicious time. And therefore, you could say it's similar to Yom Kippur, that it's because of the time. Therefore, Rabbi Akiva brings in another Pasuk, Mikveh Yisroel Havaya. There, in this Pasuk, first of all, it's not speaking about any auspicious time. Second of all, it's speaking about time when Yidin are not the way they're supposed to be. And nevertheless, what does the Pasuk say? Mikveh Yisroel Hashem. That just like a mikveh purifies, Hashem purifies the Yidin. But if that's the case, says the Rebbe, we need to understand, so Rabbi Akiva should have only brought the second Pasuk. Mikveh Yisroel Hashem. He shouldn't have brought the first Pasuk. So the explanation goes as follows. The difference between the two psukim is that Vizarakti, this Pasuk of Vizarakti, is similar to the Torah of, like Hazov sprinkling that's done by the Paraduma, etc. Mikveh Yisroel, on the other hand, is more similar to toiveling, dipping in a mikveh. What's the difference between the sprinkling that's done by Hazov and Tvila toiveling? Sprinkling, spraying, the Pasuk says, the pure person sprays it on the tome. That means somebody else is doing it. Going in a mikveh, a person dips himself. Another point is, Hazor, the sprinkling is done by Tumas Meis, Para Aduma. That means this is what could purify from the greatest and, and strictest Tuma. Says the Rebbe, so to Beruchni Yisrael Purifying in the mikveh represents is something that a Yid could do on his own. His own Avoidah. However, when a Yid is on the level of Tumas Mesrach Manolitzlan, that is, in a revealed way, he's not connected. He doesn't have that connection and therefore is lacking this life. So then what he needs is, he needs someone spraying on him and it needs to come from above. He can't do it on his own. He can't do it from his own avoider. 
There needs to be, it needs to be coming from the fact that there's that essential bond with Hashem, which that bond is always complete. And therefore Rabbi Akiva wants to bring a proof that the Torah of Bnei Yisrael is coming because of their essential quality, which is higher than any sort of limitations of time. Now, dependent on the state of a Yidin Avodas Hashem, the first thing he brings is the Pasuk Vizarakti. Hashem is spraying him. Hashem is sprinkling him with this water. This is a Torah that's coming because of that essential bond of a Yid with Hashem. But since, at the end of the day, this Pasuk is speaking about a special time, Eishrotzen, as we said before the time of the Gula, Rabbi Akiva needs to bring now another Pasuk, Mikveh Yisrael Hashem, which is not speaking about a special time. And this proves that also the Pasuk Vizarakti is not only because of a special time, but that would be true in all times. On the other hand, there's still an advantage in that first Pasuk. And on the contrary, we said that's the main proof. That's why it's the first proof, because it's specifically that Pasuk that represents this idea of this tar of this purification that's coming from the etzem of the Yid, as we said before. Says the Rebbe in Siftes, even though the Tara that's coming from above because of that essential bond is mainly by the sprinkling that purifies from Tumas Meis, nevertheless, there's something similar to this idea also in the purification of a mikvah. And this is what Rabbi Akiva is telling us the Chiddush and saying that just like a mikveh purifies, so to Hashem purifies, that means he's saying the following, that even the Tara of a mikveh, that means L'chayr is doing the Avoidah by himself, nevertheless this is also coming from the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu Metaris Yisrael, even the mikveh aspect is coming from Hashem. And with this we're going to understand a dirk in the words of Rabbi Akiva, where Rabbi Akiva says, just like a mikveh's metayres atmeim, he brings, he brings purification to one who is tomei. Seemingly, these words esatmeim are unnecessary. It could have just said, just like a mikveh's metayres, a mikveh purifies, Hashem purifies. So the explanation is like this. The din by a mikveh is, that if someone toivels in a mikveh, he would become pure even from a certain tumah, a part of a tumah, etc. That means to say, a person might have a stricter tumah and a lesser tumah. Possibly for the stricter tumah, this mikveh is not going to help. As we said before, he might need a parah duma or need something else. Nevertheless, the mikveh did help him to purify himself, at least from the lesser tumah. This is what what's unique by the mikveh. And this is what Rabbi Akiva is saying. Ma mikveh metayr es hatmeyim. A mikveh is purifying even someone that technically is still staying Tomei in a certain sense. In other words, you have a person that even after being in the mikveh is Tomei. It's purifying at least from some of the Tumah. So too Hashem is Metairus Yisrael. What does this mean? That a Yid shouldn't think that if he would do Tshuva only on some of the Averos, Hashem is not going to accept this smaller Tshuva or lesser Tshuva. But rather, just like a mikveh purifies the Tomei, that means even someone that remains Tomei after Toivaling, so too the Abishter purifies the Yidin, even if there's still Tomei Rachman Litzlan of other Averis. And why is that? Because it's HaKadosh Baruch Hu Yisrael. Since even the Tara and the Mikvah is not coming really only because of the Avoid of the Yid. This itself is coming because of Hashem, because of the essential bond that a Yid has from the Abish, with the Abishter. Therefore it has absolutely no limitations. It could come down into every situation, into every single state even to a person that even after he's purifying, has some level of Tumor remaining. Even these people, HaKadosh Baruch Yisrael. Says the Rebbe, here we have the amazing Aira in the words of Rabbi Akiva. A Yid comes to the Abishter and asks, he says, 
I don't have koyach. I don't have time to regret all of my averos. I have a few minutes. So I'm regretting and I'm confessing on these particular averos that are very much bothering me right now. So he might think the Abish is not going to accept such a tshuva. Says Rabbi Akiva, no. Ashreichem Yisrael, fortunate are you Yidin. Because a Yid, when the Abish just sees that a Yid turns to him, no matter in which way, that immediately Hashem forgives him HaKadosh Baruch Hu Yisrael. And furthermore, the Eibishter helps that mitzvah gereris mitzvah, that he should get rid of all of his Averois and to come to a level of a Baal which as we know, the level of a Baal even the greatest Sadikim can never reach and stand on that particular level.